Welcome to the Thriving Forward podcast. Now to introduce your hosts. Hi, I'm Megan Laspinera. I'm the founder and executive director of Kids Thrive 585 Inc. and a pediatrician in Rochester, New York. And I'm Sarah Collins McGowan. I'm also a pediatrician here in Rochester, and I teach community health and advocacy to pediatric residents. In each episode, we will speak with people involved in good works and projects in the greater Rochester area. We hope that by introducing you to these inspirational people and their stories, you will be motivated to learn more about these amazing organizations in our region and the fabulous people who keep them working. Hi, everyone. We wanted to let you know that this interview was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic became widespread in the United States. We are now living through a time of anxiety, disruption to our daily lives, and uncertainty. We feel it is important to continue to lift up those whose work supports our community every day. As we move into and emerge out of the immediate health crisis posed by COVID-19, please remember that this pandemic will worsen the inequities our community already struggles with. The interviews we are sharing are with the people among us who will lead the way in addressing those inequities. Let them give you hope and inspiration. Hi, it's Megan, and this week on the Thriving Forward podcast, we're welcoming Deb Rosen. She joined Bavona Child Advocacy Center in April of 2017. She is a licensed clinical social worker and has focused her career on the needs of children and families involved in the child welfare, foster care, juvenile justice, and behavioral health systems. She earned undergraduate and graduate degrees in social work from the University of Wisconsin and previously held positions as a medical social worker, a child and family therapist, director of out-of-home care for the Bureau of Milwaukee Child Welfare, director of child and family services in Monroe County, and managing director of strategic partnerships at Hillside Family of Agencies. And her current title is executive director of Bavona. Correct. <laughs> Perfect. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So we like to start with an icebreaker. Okay. Tell us something that you're into lately. Something that I'm into lately. Um, I am into logging what I read. So I read a lot. Love it. Huge part of my life. Always has been. But lately I've been into really making sure that I keep track of what I read and make little notes about what I read and communicate with other people about what I read. So that's a new thing. That's awesome. So is that like just tracking the number of books that you're reading and the type of subjects or really like journaling on the things that you're doing? Not quite journaling. Okay. So we, we haven't gone to, to that extent. <laughs> okay. Although although in an ideal world, I would do that. But no, it's just making notes to myself about the titles that I've read and my sort of general impressions about the books. Awesome. Okay, what can you tell us about Bavona and the work that's done here? Sure. So Bavona Child Advocacy Center is um, a standalone nonprofit organization that provides services to children who have been sexually and physically abused. Um, we are a multidisciplinary environment that brings together many, many different professionals from different agencies and different disciplines all of whom have some role in the investigation, evaluation, treatment, response, prevention of child abuse. So we are immersed in child abuse all day, every day, which is a pretty heavy topic. Um, but it's a wonderful organization. We, we serve about 2,000 children per year. Um, those are children in Monroe County. 
Um, about 1,500 or so of those children are, are children who have been sexually or physically abused. Um, we also do prevention education services in schools and um, for adults in the community. We provide mental health services and medical services and victim advocacy services in addition to the investigations that are performed by Child Protective Services and law enforcement personnel. And you guys are able to, in one building, house so many of those pieces to, to right. the work that you do. Right. So Bavona is unique to Monroe County. Bavona is the only child advocacy center in Monroe County. But there are child advocacy centers all over the country. As a matter of fact, there's upwards of 900 child advocacy centers in the country and over 40 in New York State alone. So a child advocacy center, by definition, is a physical location that houses the multiple disciplines required to perform investigation of child abuse. And so really, even though people can think of child advocacy as definitionally encompassing a number of different things, in this case, it's really focused on child abuse and addressing those needs. Correct. Correct. What drew you to this work? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, my whole career, um, and, and really I should just, I should, I should say more than just my career, my, my sort of... Um, energy and passion and caring as an adult human being has really revolved around children. And um, so everything that I've done professionally has been um, directed at supporting children and typically the most vulnerable children in our community. And working in a child advocacy center is just sort of a natural outgrowth of that. Um, I really particularly enjoy highly collaborative, multidisciplinary work too. I love working as a part of a team. I love feeling like I'm part of something that's bigger than myself. That's very important to me. And that's very much the nature of a child advocacy center. I think if you talk to anybody in a child advocacy center anywhere in the country, they would say that what's so special about it is that the whole is so much greater than the sum of its parts. Um, and we are really thinking about the best interests of children at all times. The other um, really unique aspect of a child advocacy center is that this model of all being housed under one roof is the only model that I'm aware of that is built specifically for the purpose of reducing trauma. So that's the, the very reason that child advocacy centers as a model were developed in the, in the early 1980s was specifically to avoid the re-traumatization that often occurs in the aftermath of abuse. And so that's a pretty special thing to be a part of too. This is not a lighthearted, easy topic, even on its best day. What is it that drives you to focus on abuse and caring for abuse victims? Um, is there something that has kept you in this work, even though it is clearly not easy day to day? Um well, a big part of it is the people who do the work. So people who are drawn to this work are, are 
tend to be pretty special people and and I will say tend to be pretty fun people who um, find ways in their lives outside of work and, and even within work to, to just find the joy and the fun in things. Um, so it's it's a pretty nice group of, of comrades that are that are doing this work together. But I think also we, what we are really driven by is the desire to heal and to protect. Even knowing that a child has already experienced a trauma, we have very significant influence in what happens in the aftermath of that trauma and in preventing further trauma and in, in alleviating to a certain extent the pain and the suffering that comes in the aftermath of abuse. And it's very compelling to be able to be a part of that and to know that we are a part of really making that situation better. Well, and there certainly is a lot of science coming out right now around social determinants of health and the idea that you can have adverse childhood experiences, that if you can support someone and build resilience and do those things, you can actually change long-term patterns right. and health outcomes. Right. So we are we are all very inspired by that work. And um, I would say in particular, um, for those of us that are involved in the mental health component of what we provide, we're very inspired and sort of propelled by the science that tells us that um, issues like post-traumatic stress disorder can conclusively be alleviated by the right model of therapy at the right time, delivered in the right dosage, all that good stuff. And so we can be a part of doing that. Um, so we know that children who receive services within our center and then interventions as, as a part of that work will fare better than children who haven't. And that's, that's pretty inspiring. Do you have any advice for someone who is inspired to do similar work? Um, <clears throat> I would say that there are many different paths to get here. So whether you are um, excited about entering the field as a law enforcement professional or a social worker or a nurse or a doctor or a victim advocate, there are a lot of different roads that can take you to a place where you are really helping children. And um, don't get caught up in thinking that in order to alleviate suffering, you have to be a therapist. There are many different professionals that can alleviate suffering. And don't get caught in a trap of thinking that you need a certain degree in order to be able to contribute in some meaningful way. We have um, people of incredibly varied backgrounds working here in this building, working together um, and really feeling like they're making a difference. And some of them choose to go in one door and some of them choose to go in the other, but they're all here in the same building. How do you feel your social work degree has helped you to do the work that you're doing right now? So I always say that becoming a social worker is really one of the best decisions that I ever made in my life. And um, I think that's because my education as a social worker opened my eyes to sort of the largest social picture 
of what happens on the individual level. So we were looking both at big systemic, you know, gnarly kind of problems that we face as a culture, as well as how that plays out in the individual life of a, of a child and sort of all points in between. And it's a very flexible degree. So it has enabled me to be able to work both individually, clinically with children and families, as well as working in as, an, as an administrator in large public systems. Um, and now finally settling in this very focused work as a nonprofit leader in the Child Advocacy Center. And I think that um, I would not have had that flexibility with a different kind of degree. So it served me very well. What are some of the other organizations locally that Bavona Child Advocacy Center partners with? Sure. Great question. So we formally partner with 24 different agencies. Um, That includes 12 different jurisdictions of law enforcement. So including the Monroe County Sheriff's Office and New York State Police, um, as well as all of the different local town and village jurisdictions of law enforcement and Rochester Police Department. It includes the Monroe County District Attorney's Office, the Monroe County Department of Human Services, CPS unit, um, Golisano Children's Hospital's REACH Clinic, um, uh, the Villa of Hope, uh, SPCC, the Restore Program of Planned Parenthood. There are probably some I'm forgetting, but but 24 very diverse different agencies that make a really, really concrete contribution to what's done here and are, are truly integral to what we do. And I know from the Children's Hospital side, certainly the REACH program is how community physicians might get in touch um, with a provider to do to start a medical investigation for a child. Correct. Right. So the REACH clinic docs um, are accessible to the medical community at large, actually. Um, uh, any Even private practitioners could access the REACH clinic docs for consultation around a, a, a concern of abuse or neglect. Um, they do much of their clinical work here at Bavona, um, examinations of children and, you know, working with the rest of the team on on cases of child abuse, but they also do a lot of consultation in the community, and it's they're really a, an incredibly vital resource. I've certainly, uh, in my private practice, had cause to speak with them, and I found them to be very receptive and very helpful and um, able to give good guidance as far as what are next best steps for what to do with a child that you're concerned about. Absolutely. So Drs. Anne Lenane and Elizabeth Murray are the REACH Clinic staff. Um, Anne is the, is the medical director of the REACH Clinic. And Anne, little known fact, Anne is one of, I believe, only 32 certified child abuse pediatricians in the country. So she is an incredibly sort of rarefied commodity that we are incredibly lucky to have in this community. And Elizabeth is a very, very skilled um, pediatrician who spends some of her time in the emergency room um, and sees, uh, unfortunately, both docs see a lot of cases of child abuse and neglect and are a tremendous resource to their colleagues. You guys partner with a lot of agencies. Is there an agency that you feel like flies under the radar a little bit and you'd like to give them like an extra shout out on the podcast? You can pick more than one if you want to, but somebody that you feel like doesn't get enough shine on them, maybe. I I have to pick two. Okay, perfect. (laughs) So, and one of them, I'm not going to call out an agency. I'm going to call out a discipline. And that discipline is law enforcement. So I think that it is really... um, 
seldom understood and very much underappreciated the extent to which law enforcement professionals play a role in protecting children. So the investigators that are um, sort of assigned to work the child abuse cases are um, people who are really motivated to make a difference in the lives of children, and they really understand how dangerous certain dynamics in homes and communities can be for children. And it's not glamorous work. It's not the high-profile homicide work, and it's, you know, it might not have the satisfaction of other types of law enforcement work, but it does have the satisfaction of knowing that you are making a positive contribution to a child's life. And I just don't think the general public tends to appreciate the fact that that law enforcement plays a very, very critical role um, in the prevention of child abuse and the identification of child abuse. So that's sort of number one. Number two, um, I would call out uh, SPCC, the Society for for the Protection and Care of Children. They are our most recent partner, actually. They just came into partnership with us a couple of months ago, and they are providing mental health services to very young children. Actually, they provide mental health services to children between the ages of like, you know, zero to seven kind of thing. They provide very specific models that tend to involve caregivers in in the provision of services. And SPCC is a relatively small organization that provides a variety of um, of mental health services. And I, and I think that they don't have a particularly high profile, but they're doing very, very important work. So we're going to switch gears a little bit, and I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite thing about Rochester? Well, you know, I have to say, I think my favorite thing about Rochester is the suburb that we live in, in the little, the little town of Brighton. Um, so I just, I, I love the town of Brighton. I love the schools. I love the sidewalks. I love the feel of Brighton. I actually grew up in Brighton and then I moved far away for a really long time and then moved back 10 years ago and I'm raising my children here. And um, I think that that Rochester is very rich in, in neighborhoods and in a sense of community and Brighton really has that. Well, and they have that great farmer's market yeah. during the summer mm-hmm. where you can just hang out and listen to music and yep. get only New York State produce and things like that there get some coffee eat a muffin it's all good yeah awesome okay is there anything else that you'd like to mention about the services or things going on at Bavona Child Advocacy Center I think um I would just add that a, a sort of interesting thing to know about Bavona is that we are a small organization we have a budget of just about two million dollars 60% of our revenue comes from the public, comes from philanthropy, from individuals, from foundations, from corporations um, that want to support our work. Only 40% of our revenue comes from the government, actually. And when you think about what we do, that we're providing critical services to children who have been abused, that's... um, it's a really important role that the public plays in supporting us. And so we consider ourselves to be in partnership with the community at large and are very grateful for that support. So where can people contact Bavona, donate some money, um, yeah. join the cause? So so take a look at our website, www.bavonacac.org. Um, there is a donate now button very prominently displayed but there's also a lot of information and resources about child abuse on our website um follow us on our social media uh, channels we're on 
all of the channels except Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, come hear what we have to say. Awesome. Well, Deb, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thriving Forward podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Kids Thrive 585 Inc., the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester and Rochester Regional Health. To learn more about today's guest, head over to kidsthrive585.org and click on the podcast link. See you next time. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of their employers or funders.